This is Omo. 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 Is this Yoko Omo? This is Omo. This is Omo. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Rosie. How's it going? <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm living. I'm surviving. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's important. That yeah, seems to be yeah. the theme of 2020 that's carried over into 2020, <laughs> yes. I mean, That was a lot of 20s. Wow. There's a lot of 20s. Uh, do you remember back in episode 19, we did Body Ruin? Yes. And yes. we covered a lot of aches and pains that people have. And uh, and then we went on into like chemical exposures, just basically all the, the problems you could run into. Yeah, our, our um, show was almost sponsored by OSHA. It's great. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, since that time, I I picked up a few things. Like I got an adjustable height bench, and that really helped my neck a lot. Um, are there any things that you've had to adapt to oh, yeah. over the years? Tell me. Tell me. Lay it on me. Most recently, uh, I too have had neck issues. Okay. Um, I didn't realize that the dizziness that I was experiencing on almost a daily basis was caused by a pinched nerve in my neck. And that was Oh, from, I didn't know that either. Yeah, from being hunched over and not really paying attention to how I was sitting. And, you know, after a bunch of doctor visits later, uh, I finally went to a chiropractor and a couple pops, some adjustments later, I was in good shape and we talked a lot about how I was sitting. Yeah. So while we're recording this, it's it just hit July. And in the last month, uh, it was the end of the school year. And we do a lot of rental returns. And it's really frenetic it's at busy, the shop. busy time. Yeah. And um, I hurt my neck real bad. Like everything just seized up. And of course, uh, oh, oh, and then I got a respiratory infection. And, and while I was sitting in bed uh, coughing, I thought, of course, of course, I hurt my neck because I got so busy all of my uh, um, attention that I put into having good posture, that just went out the window. I, I, I wasn't thinking about it. So, of course, I hurt myself this time of year. <laughs> yeah, it's so. one of the first things that that goes out the window when we get busy is taking care of ourselves. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, I am super excited for our guest today. Uh, yeah, I've known got? him for a while. We've got Cameron Robertson. He is a maker working out of Atlanta, Georgia. I like Cameron's instruments a lot. They're they're very clean. They're very muscular. Um, under the bow, at least for me, I tend to play with a lot of arm weight, and they, they tend to hold up really, really well to that. They project uh, to the end of the hall. Um, oh, nice. I'm, I'm a fan of his work. But aside from being a really talented maker, he's also given a lot of time and energy on – focusing um, the aspects of of how your body relates to the bench, everything from posture to what lighting is used, the type of grip that you use on tools, and how all these things can uh, add up to either a, a healthy woodworking experience or a, an experience that is stressed or painful. And I'm really glad that he's put this time into it because he's become a pretty great resource in to who to ask of what am I doing? What can I do better? Yeah. Cameron says, if you are in pain, your enjoyment of work decreases. 
And there's evidence to show that the quality of your work decreases as well. So let's dive into this. We've got Cameron Robertson coming up. Following his interview, we're going to do a quick coda with our buddy. Uh, Chris is going to join me for that. And then our buddy Rob Wood is going to tell us about some exercises that every luthier should be doing. Mr. CrossFit himself. I can't wait. So guys, without further ado, welcome Cameron. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, you know, I am doing really well this morning, actually. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, we talked earlier and you told me a little bit about back when you lived in Flagstaff and you got the bug after a little mishap with your base when you were cleaning. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's how I got involved in in violin making. Was I was uh, uh, I was in college as a as a music performance. Well, actually, as a music education major, mm-hmm. and I thought I was being a really good, diligent student. Um, and I laid my bass down on its back, took all the the tension off of the string so that I could clean <laughs> the instrument correctly, uh, and of course, kerplunk uh, down <laughs> the sound post. And you know, at that point in time, I was so you know, ignorant of, of instruments. I didn't even know what had happened. I didn't realize the sound post was even in there. So of course I freaked out and thought that I broke my base. Yeah. Uh, but luckily I talked to my teacher and, and he's like, great. I just convinced our local luthier to work on bases. Oh, what did that take? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, now that I know a bit more, I realize what a, what a, how lucky that was. Yeah. Um, so I, I took my bass to him. He showed me uh, how how the sound post was not fitting correctly. Uh, and this is Jeffrey Robinson, who's uh, still working in Flagstaff. And I, I just, yeah, I was just fascinated with what he was doing. Uh, I thought it was so incredible, the changes that he made to my bass, you know, just putting the sound post back up and adjusting it. Um, I'd always been interested in kind of tinkering with my instrument more than practicing my instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, That's such a bass player thing. Such man. a bass player thing. <laughs> um, there's a, you know, there are no bass players that end up in luthier. No, not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's, that's how I got, I, I got involved. I, I went back and immediately, you know, I, I asked him if I could work for him, and he asked if I had any woodworking skills, which I had zero. You know, I didn't even know what a block plane was. Um, so he instructed me I should go to school. Uh, so I, I looked into the schools and, and started looking up violin making more as a career. Um, it really confused my parents, but they were very supportive. <laughs> um, and and uh, I ended up going to the Salt Lake School as soon as I could, uh, I did finish my, my college degree. And as soon as I was able, I went back to uh, violin making school and have been plugging away at it ever since. Love it a lot. Mm. So while you were at school, uh, you started to have some some body issues. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So the, the first issue that I had was um, I, I noticed I was actually losing feeling in my fingertips like a kind of a tingling sensation in the tips of my fingers, you know, it started to get worse uh, to the extent that, you know, I would lose feeling up my fingers. Um, And also, um, you know, not understanding or knowing anything about what was going on. I was very concerned I had some sort of nerve disease or something. Um, So went to 
went to the doctor, he's like, great, you got carpal tunnel. Here's a brace and stop, you know, start doing some of these things and stop doing some of these other things. Um, so that was like, oh, okay, great. It's just carpal tunnel. Um, that's all. <laughs> that's it. It's just carpal tunnel. It's <laughs> no big deal. Um, so, you know, took some some minor steps to manage it at the time. Um, I'd also had a previous uh, injury at my wrist. I broke my arm uh, right above my wrist when I was a young teenager. Um, so, you know, I, I had some issues with my right hand there anyways. Also, bass player with a, you know, probably bad <laughs> bow grip, a lot of tension there. Um, so I had a lot of these kind of compounding uh, um elements that that made my carpal tunnel you know particularly problematic um but i you know i didn't really think a whole lot about it and you know at the time it was pretty manageable uh with a brace and some some basic stuff you know it it it, it wasn't unmanageable but over the years um and and ever since then it's become a perpetual thing it's something that i constantly deal with you know even you know right now i'm sitting here and my fingertips are a little numb and it's just a a, a a perpetual element in my life now that i deal with in both hands you know it, to some at some point it progressed to to both hands having it uh some other issues uh, that have crept up just as you know i've continued to work continued to put a lot of force and, and strain on my body as a woodworker and also you know aging and you know uh the other things like my posture how i sit at the bench you know sitting at a bench for hours at a day in you know chairs that might not be the best idea and you know low lighting and some other th contributing factors that make it uh particularly hard on our bodies uh especially with long hours and uh difficult work so let's fast forward a couple of years and uh you managed to meet and convince a woman named Sarah to marry you, which as a luthier, you know, I mean, she had to know that it was slightly a crazy thing to do. Um, she's an occupational therapist. And this has got to be interesting then because you're there working at a workbench and then there's somebody who knows about uh, planning muscle movements. What were those conversations like? <laughs> uh, very... Uh, very interesting, actually, and, and uh, you know, they're conversations that are ongoing. Once again, this is kind of a, a perpetual uh, thing that we that we work on all the time. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, uh, yes, I convinced a, a wonderful woman uh, <laughs> <laughs> to somehow marry a luthier, the fool. Um, uh, and <laughs> Way to trick it, Kim. <laughs> That's that's the number one trick I ever pulled right there. <laughs> uh, so yes, my my wife is Dr. Sarah Probe. She's an occupational therapist, um, and her main job is she works with uh, with kiddos in the in the school system here in in Atlanta, uh, helping them be great students and and to improve their their ability to do their work at school and you know, be great students. As a side thing, she also works with me and helps me deal with uh, some of the issues that I have, but also just 
you know, looking at the way that luthiers work um, and knowing, of course, now a number of luthiers, having worked in a number of different shops, seeing different setups and the way that, that people uh, do this sort of work, there are a lot of things that, um, that we talk about, uh, about how it really impacts uh, our bodies on a daily basis and how, you know, challenging uh, this kind of work can be. So you guys decided a few years back, let's make a presentation for the VSA. Let's uh, let's really hone in on this. And uh, so you started doing research and uh, you shared with me that uh, there was not a, there was hardly any content for the profession that we do. But you found some manuals for. Uh, mining safety that were helpful, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and even a manual for dental hygienists, which is a profession where you're bending over your subject and using tiny tools all day, uh, mm-hmm. which I think some of us can relate to. Um, tell me a little bit about that process of of finding this uh, information and and applying it towards uh, your presentation. Uh, well, it was really interesting, um, you know having access to medical journals and uh, a lot of that sort of uh, research and literature, if you, you know, type in luthier into the, the CDC or any of the national health, you know, it, it's like, oops, did you mean to say anything else? You know, yeah. Lutheran, Lutheran or something, anything but luthier. There's, there is zero information. Uh, and even for woodworking, which to some degree I found rather interesting, there's there wasn't a lot that dealt with, mm. um, you know, you think of like carpentry factories or, or, or things like that that would have a lot more uh, or at least be a more mainstream industry where this sort of information might exist. But yeah, what we found was that the the most documented cases were things like mining safety, uh, medical or dental professionals uh, deal with this a lot because yes, like you said, you know, you're, you're in these weird body positions and you're doing a really repetitive task over and over again, oftentimes in a very small space with a lot of force you got to you know control you know you're using very small tools and 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 a lot of times with with great force with your hands so yeah we found a lot of that information it really changed the way that i thought about it and certainly the way that we we started to look at it because it related you know i when i first went into this it was like oh you know carpal tunnel hands you know hand therapy you know you think about it just being like okay what's what's happening like on my bench mm-hmm. but looking at the way that it talked about and related to health in terms of this workplace occupation uh setting so much of it actually came down to body position um and also how you relate to the the bench, your workspace, and where you are. You talked about having uh, what was it, ninety degree angles? Is that what I'm remembering right? Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, one of the things that it, you know, just looking at the way that your body position, and you you guys talked about this a bit in the intro, is is being hunched over the bench, um, and it's always interesting looking at pictures in you know like the magazines and things like that, that we all read, everybody's, you know, there are so many pictures of people just like, just curled around the plate. 
You called it the romantic Instagram image. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a single a, a single lamp laid down on the desk with somebody yeah. <laughs> curled over, you know, practically laying on it with, with their elbow way up in the air, holding a tiny little finger gouge, you know. Yeah. And you know they're staged because the Starbucks cups are out of the way, you know. <laughs> and the, the million tools that are all over the desk have been cleared out. Yeah, I was saying, yeah. and there, there really aren't any shavings on the desk. It just looks like uh -huh. they're just getting started. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I see all those pictures and it's like, oh, that just looks so painful. <laughs> it mm -hmm. looks so awkward. And yet I did it. I did mm -hmm. it for years. I, I, I can't tell you how many plates I finger planed, you know, with it on a low desk with my elbow way up in the air scrubbing at it. And then I wonder why my back hurts later. Mm. So, so when we're talking about like a good position for your body in relationship to the bench, walk me through that. Well, so, um, the, the main thing is, uh, and it, it starts really from the trunk. You know, we talk a lot about like, you know, core strength and core stability, um, especially when it comes to, to doing this sort of active work, even when you're sitting in a chair, you know, you should have good body position of having your back straight and like you said 90 90 90 is the the angle of your hips and your knees and your feet so if your knees are are curled up on uh, you know it curls your back into a you know an arched position really you should be sitting and working um in the same angle as if you're you know just comfortably sitting in a good chair that's the angle that you should continue to work at. And yet we all work, you know, a lot of us on low benches uh, and we like to be over our work piece. Mm -hmm. So we lean forward, we curl our back over, you lift your elbows up, your shoulders mm -hmm. come up around your, your neck and then you're stuck in that position for, you know, hours doing that sound post patch or <laughs> whatever it is yeah. that you're trying to fit in there. Um, so, you know, having body awareness of the position your body is in when you're working is so critical. So when was the light bulb moment where you realized that there's a different way of doing things? My notes here says it has something to do with Jeffrey Allison at Oberlin. You want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Jeffrey had a, a rather interesting setup when he was at Oberlin. And for those of us that have been to Oberlin, one of the kind of constant gripes that I know a lot of people have is that the, uh, especially the chairs there are really uncomfortable for yeah. the amount of hours we put in sitting at those, <laughs> at those benches. Uh, the chairs are just, are just terrible. And, and usually it's a, you know, pretty painful experience by the end of the week or two weeks that, that <laughs> you're there. Uh, you hate those chairs, but there was this great moment and I came, you know, I, I came into the workshop and Jeffrey had, um, and it was a big ball vice and it's made by Bogaro and Clemente. That's got the, the jig, the cradle for the violin mm -hmm. that you can clamp your plate into it. And then the ball vice is actually quite incredibly, uh, maneuverable. What fascinated me about the way that he had set it up was he'd clamp the the vice onto that low desk, um, which is, which is pretty low. So, you know, it makes you want to, uh, hunch over anyways, but he clamped this vice to it and then he'd put his violin plate 
in the cradle but he instead of leaving it horizontal what he had done is he tilted it as far as forward as he could so it looked like a you know it looked like a steering wheel mm-hmm. um, in front of the desk uh, <laughs> um and he'd clamp the the plate in there and he was planing you know with a finger plane you know the long arches he had a light bulb set up you know above the uh the cradle so you know shooting down that angle which we all try and get that really directional light and usually we put the the lamp on the table once again going back to the romantic instagram we drop the light and we drop everything down and then we move our body down to to where the work is and in this situation what he had done is he lifted the light above the workpiece put the the violin in the cradle at that angle and was actually just sitting there like like he was in a lounge chair with one hand planing uh the the arches on his on his violin nice just as comfortable and cute you know cool as a cucumber <laughs> just <sitting> there, <laughs> sh- 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 you know with with a finger plane I'm, I'm sure he was telling a story uh <laughs> like he likes to do um and it was it was just kind of mind-blowing to me because there here was something that i'd done for years and in many ways i kind of dreaded it because it was always you know an uncomfortable uh operation at best mm-hmm. and he was just you know it, it looked like it was no effort at all and it it kind of blew my mind i was like that's amazing so i obtained one of those those vices um and it's it's really great it it what the main thing is is that and and again this is talking about body awareness and positioning so many times we take the workpiece and we put it down on the bench and then we take our body down to the workpiece. Mm-hmm. I think it's way more important to find ways to lift the workpiece up to our body and keep yeah. your body in the correct position and in the correct orientation to the desk and bring the workpiece up to you. Um, and this can be accomplished many ways using cradles, a vice, you know, bench riser. There's so many ways to you know, to bring the piece to you instead of dropping your body down to the to the work piece. Um, and even using that vice, because the, the vice comes with, you know, you can buy the cradles for violin, viola, and cello. Um, but I've even constructed a handful of additional work surfaces that I can put on top of that uh, on top of that vice one that's just a big round it was a you know round tabletop from home depot yeah i believe that one that's like a photo in your interview for strad magazine it just yeah just a big circle yep yeah big circle i put a a exercise mat on top of it okay um any you know with a you can put an exercise mat on top of it and then that adds a little bit of friction so the workpiece doesn't slip around on you um and you can you know, I carve my scrolls on it, um, any sort of plate work, purfling, stuff like that. Because what I can do is I can lift it up. I can angle it towards me so I don't have to angle my body down or forward to get the angle that I want. And then I can actually just use it to rotate it around. It's it's really quite uh, a flexible system um, and allows me to stay at my because i have a pretty high bench i you know i bought a you know kitchen worktop or a kitchen 
countertop from Ikea, but the, the height on it is actually quite high. Um, but even that I can raise it up even higher. And then, you know, thinking about the angles of my like elbows and wrists, you know, if you have a high work surface, you have to kind of cinch your elbows in, but if you can angle the work piece, then all of a sudden everything again has good 90 degrees from your elbows and your wrists are straight, which decreases stress on those joints. Tell me about your setup for bow hairs. Uh, <laughs> that was, uh, that was kind of a, uh, mother of necessity, uh, <laughs> sort of thing. So my, my shop is, uh, is, is pretty small. So I need to make the most use of horizontal space that I have. And I have this awesome MCO lathe, which is fantastic for all sorts of things, but it takes up, a one of my main tables in my, in my, in my workshop, um, so, uh, I wanted to make a, a, a rehair desk so I could, you know, have a dedicated rehairing bench. Um, so what we had actually decided on doing was I built a work surface above the lathe Nice. that attaches to the wall and has legs that hang, that, that drop down in front of the lathe. Um, and then, so all the rehairs that I do are actually kind of at like chest level. So it's a standing bench, mm-hmm. which is actually really nice because it gets me up out of my chair. I can move around. Um, you know, I have uh, a nice rug underneath it. So it's, you know, it's squishy on my feet. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I do have um, uh, anti-fatigue mats, uh, which are also really nice for standing workspaces. And it, it, it brings all of my rehairing stuff up. So when I'm standing, I'm moving around, you know, I'm not stationary at a chair at a bench. It's a lot more dynamic. So you get just a lot more body movement, um, which is actually quite good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes so much sense. My rehairing station is still on a bench and I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down. It makes so much more sense to just be standing the whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, and I've, I've watched Jerry Passowitz work for years, um, and he's always standing when he does his, his rehairs, or at least he used to. Um, and it's, it, it always just looks so much more, you know, you're on your feet, but you're also, you know, you're standing up. And as long as things are, you know, at a good height for your, your shoulders, you know, you're moving your body a lot more. And that's, it's just a lot mm-hmm. better for, <laughs> for your body that way. So aside from work surfaces, have you made any other modifications to tools themselves to make them more ergonomic? Yeah. So even with uh, modifying tools, I mean, the, the easiest and, and most basic thing to do is to build um, build up the tool handles. Um, this is something that OTs, um, and, and again, working with Sarah, you know, that was like the first thing. It's like you've got these really pretty, really beautiful handles that you made, uh, that are really tiny um, and require a lot of grip strength uh, to hold, you know, that little tricep grip um, in in the fingers that I already have numbness and problems with. Um, building up the the tool handles and especially little knives, finger planes, anything where you're using that really tight uh, triangular grip is is really stressful on your wrists um, and hands. And uh, so uh, we've we've come up with a number of modifications. The 
basic and easiest one, of course, is to wrap some sort of friction tape or like tennis grip around, you know, woodworking handles, um, whether they're, you know, uh, your knives, uh, gouges, chisels, uh, so things like that. Anything that, that makes it less forced to actually grip the handle um, will reduce the strain in your, not only in your hand, but it also travels, you know, it, it, it the, the whole system is kind of linked together. So if you're gripping something really tight with your fingers, that means your wrist is really tight, which means your elbow's tight and your shoulder's tight. So anything that reduces the amount of force that you use, even to hold something, actually will reduce strain in the rest of your joints. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, wrapping, wrapping, um, grips around that. Um, I've, I've put a lot of cork, uh, grips around, uh, like finger planes on the sides of the, the bodies of planes. Oh, that's use, great. You can just, you know, <laughs> double stick or, you know, I, uh-huh. I'm like this, I'll super glue it to the side of the, the side of the plane, uh, to, to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Um, uh, I've, I've actually put, um, uh, I found a couple of those big rubber chair stoppers. You, you can get them at Home Depot. They're feet for, you know, chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, off, and you can get them in different sizes. You can pop that on the bottom of a, of a chisel and it gives you like a big ball that's kind of rubbery and uh, uh-huh. at the back of a gouge. Um, we'll, we'll help that way. Um, my my favorite thing, and actually I saw this, a lot of the bow makers were doing it at um, at Oberlin, was you use a self adhesive um, sandpaper um, and put it on the the sides of like especially like bow planes because they're really heavy um, and they're oftentimes very narrow and the metal of course is is quite slick but you can put self adhesive sandpaper. Um, you know, a fine grit, like 400 or something like that will really help, uh, help you grip the tool with less force. The other thing that I've actually started using a lot, um, is to use, um, uh, gloves, um, and not just regular, like leather working gloves, but if you go, and again, a lot of this stuff, you can just find it either like Home Depot or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, local hardware stores but look for the gloves that have like um they have the nitrile coated work gloves that have that rubber the rubber grip all Mm -hmm. over the fingertips and on on the palms um there's a company called mad grips that makes one that's a kind of a rubberized nitrile um and and if you you know put them on try them and, and see which ones actually give you the dexterity that you would that you would need um but if you don't put sticky height tack things on your tools, you can put these gloves on um, and that will help you grip the tool again with less force and less strain uh, and, and use it uh, and be able to use it that way with, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing how much easier it is to hold on to a lot of these things using some of these gloves. Um, And that's something that, you know, it seemed like kind of a, easy throwaway idea like oh just put a put a glove on but it's actually <laughs> quite effective uh and now I, I i do very little at least large like planing anytime i'm you know planing um you know plates or fingerboards especially like fingerboards <laughs> using mm. using gloves and uh 
some of these things on the planes makes it so much easier to do, especially big finger planes like cellos or basses. Yeah, that's smart. And then even those of us who are starting to get ebony sensitivities, doesn't hurt to throw a glove on for that either. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You uh, specifically made a tool for um, shaping pegs. Yeah. um, So pegs are my new nemesis. I hate them (laughs) Uh, because, again, especially with the um, the conditions that I have, which I have carpal tunnel. I also have something called the Corvain's disease, um, which is a tendonitis of the thumb, uh, the tendon in the top of the thumb, uh, which which makes actually gripping anything uh, with my between, you know, you think of like the key grip or Mm -hmm. the, that tripod grip um, makes it really painful just to, to hold on to anything. And and of course we do everything, you know, finger planes, pegs, uh, you know, all these things require that grip. Um, But pegs, not only are you gripping, you have to grip usually really hard and you're twisting, which is really hard on your joints. Um, and especially on my joints, I, like I said, I'm not a fan of doing pegs anymore. Um, so what I did was I used, uh, again, these are things you can get at like Home Depot or a hardware store. Um, it was just a octagonal, you know, like chunk of a, I think it was a table leg that I, I cut off. Uh, I wrapped it in leather. Um, and then I, I cut a kind of like a keyhole shape that the end of the peg can fit into. So then when I'm turning the peg, I'm not using my fingertips. I can put it in the in my palm uh, and then turn the whole thing like a doorknob. So it's like a big ball to grip onto. Yeah. Um, and it works. It works really well. Um, you know, so you, you got to, you know, cork line it and, and do some things because, of course, each pegs, or not, not all pegs are, are uniform. So sometimes yeah. you got to, you know, uh, customize it a little bit, but anytime that you can get the force out of your fingers and your fingertips and into your hand, that will reduce a lot of the strain. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about planes, uh, the other thing that I've modified a lot with, uh, especially like finger planes or even like the larger uh, finger planes or hand planes, is you know if you can get a plane that's got a squirrel tail uh, or put like mm. a a champagne cork on the end of the blade. Um, I, I, we, we joke, we use a lot of cat toys. Okay. <laughs> but we, we have cats and we, we, you know, we've got a couple of these balls, uh, that are, you know, cat toys that I've, you know, cut a space for and can put on the end of planes. And anytime you can transfer the force out of your fingertips and into the, the heel of your palm, uh, will, will significantly reduce a lot of that. So I'm visually imagining you you turning these planes into like the old people walkers with the tennis balls on the end. <laughs> well, I also use tennis balls uh, uh, for for uh, actually a, a number of things. Um, I've made a couple. Uh, I've, I've cut a couple of tennis balls um, to fit around the the T handle for the peg reamer. So when I'm turning the peg reamer, I can actually just grab the ball, which is much more comfortable, uh, and twist it uh, that way. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways to uh, to to adapt these tools and to come at solutions to reduce uh, the force and the 
the strain that you use on these tools. It, you know, it, it just the biggest thing is is to to kind of be aware of what's causing you discomfort, what's causing you pain, uh, what's causing you know this you know kind of ongoing uh, discomfort. Because mm -hmm. if there's ways that you can reduce that now, and a lot of these strategies are preventative. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us don't take care of, of these issues until after it's already painful, after it's already just uh, uncomfortable. Um, uh, raising my but, hand. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But, you know, if I could have started doing these things uh, a long time ago, it would have reduced uh, a lot of these issues that I'm dealing with now and will continue to deal with. None of these problems for me are going to go away. Yeah. Um, the best I can do now is to manage the, the conditions that I have. Uh, in the hopes that I can keep working for as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and that takes a change in, in attitude. It takes a change in uh, prioritizing, you know, I need to take a little bit of time to build a jig so that I'm not just trying to muscle through this and, oh, well, I don't have time. You know, I, I have a habit of doing doing it like this, whereas if I can take the time to address those issues now so that I never have these issues mm. that would be the best yeah uh, amen and that's it for for me personally that's been a big thing that i've had to learn for myself because i you know i have my training i have my habits we joke it's <laughs> i have my habitudes uh -huh. I, <laughs> I do it like this because this is how i do it and i'm not going to change it uh, but mm. It's and it's really hard to break those. It's hard to break those habits. There's comfort in that familiarity. You you have that muscle memory, and you know that you have a you have learned that skill in that way. And so, yeah, to to step back and learn a little bit new way is uh, a, is a challenge. Uh, I remember having to relearn some new things in how I was doing bow rehair, and it took it was for a while there, it took so much longer to do it. And now it's faster. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I can understand that. And at the end of the day, we just, we, we want to be profitable. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, did you want to add anything else before I wrap us up? I just really wanted to thank Cameron for taking the time to be here with us and to share some of his ongoing struggles and how he's dealt with them and thank him for all the research he's put into it. I know, uh, I know I haven't spoken a lot during this episode because I've just been too busy listening because this is good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to wish him the best of success with all of his own issues and working through them and to keep on making great instruments because, uh, well, that's what he loves to do. And we love yeah. Cameron. And for well, a long time. <laughs> well, thank you guys very much. And it's been a, a real pleasure to be here. I just, um, you know, these are things that I know I struggle with and I don't want to see other people struggle with. Um, and so many of the solution, they're not solutions. So many of the strategies to, to deal with a lot of this stuff, you know, really doesn't require a lot. A lot of these things and a lot of these adaptations, you know, financially wise are pretty cheap. <laughs> you know, there's a, you know, how much does it cost to get a anti-fatigue mat or, um, you know, to, to hang a couple extra lights, um, in, in your workspace and to make sure that things are orientated correctly. Mm -hmm. 
you have said, uh, do I value my body as an irreplaceable piece of equipment that needs maintenance and care? Yes. And so these steps that you're taking are, are for you to value your body long-term. Yeah. Um, and you know, we talk about, you know, what is your most important tool? And we talk about that being a bench or you know, lights or what, whatever, but really your body is the most important tool. If your body's not working correctly, you can't do any of these things. Um, and when it breaks down, you're, you're kind of done. A lot of people have, have had to stop doing this work because physically it's, just not possible for them to do it um and again looking down the you know kind of the long view of the rest of my career um knowing that a lot of these things won't get better they might just get worse i'm trying to do the best i can to let myself do the best work i can for as long as i can yeah absolutely uh well i tell you what i've had incredible posture for this whole interview (laughs) my feet are planted flat on the floor i'm at 90 90 90 and i think it's time to wrap this one up cameron thank you again you've been a wonderful thank you so much so everybody out there uh if you have had any light bulb moments during this interview or if you have your own modifications that have helped you in your workbench life we'd love to see them uh hop on Instagram and show us what you're doing and tag it luthier body. We want to see that luthier body. (laughs) That's the worst (laughs) monthly calendar idea ever. Oh my. (laughs) Oh, and coming up guys, again, we've got Rob Wood sharing with us with his luthier body (laughs) exercises that every luthier should be doing. Thanks again, guys. Welcome once again to Omo After Hours. We're here with Bob Robert Wood, Robert Wood, Robert Wood of Woods Violins. Will you let us know how I can take care of Rosie's muscles? No. Hmm. <laughs> that, <laughs> that came off weird. I, um, uh, I, we should preface that, uh, that, that we're asking you, Rob, because clearly... You're the one in the industry with the muscles. Uh, you seem to be knowing know what you're doing. Well, I <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> Can you teach us how to thirst trap, but also be healthy? Yeah, I mean that's all about the angles. So <laughs> you know, less about the muscle, more about the angles. Okay, so how do I take care of my muscles? How do I stay healthy? So. In our industry, I think we find ourselves seated most of the day. Mm-hmm. And my biggest recommendation for taking care of our bodies, especially as luthiers, is to first off, get a standing bench if you can, or a raised bench. Word. And that way, I mean, even if you're only at that bench standing for 30 to 40 minutes out of the day, it's helpful. Okay. Um, when you sit all day, you don't activate the posterior muscle groups of your body. And so we hunch forward and you just get more and more hunched like over your work pieces and over your benches and people develop a lot of neck and back problems that way. Okay. Yeah. Once they start to, they just get worse. We just keep curling inward. Yes, exactly. 
And I mean, I think that's that's the easiest thing that we could possibly do to take care of our bodies is get standing for more of the day. Um, but there are some exercises you can do as well that help. They're gonna focus on yeah that post those posterior muscle groups. So the first one that I'd recommend is squats, and oh. it's yeah, and uh, you can do those you know at a gym with a barbell on a Smith machine. That's great, but a lot of people don't ha- have access to that kind of equipment. Mm-hmm. And so I would recommend if you're at home and you're comfortable using weight in a squat, like you've done a squat before, um, you can use either a backpack with uh, books in it or soup cans. You know, mm-hmm. some people might have kettlebells at home and that's a great thing to use. You can do goblet squats with a kettlebell. Um, but anything just to be sitting down and standing back up. So some people might not even be comfortable squatting, you know, air squatting without any support underneath them. But if you're not comfortable with that, you can actually just sit down into a chair. So practice lowering yourself slowly to a chair and then standing back up and just do that for multiple reps. You know, you can do that 20 times or so. Or if you do have weight, you can break that into sets of 12 or 15 and do three or four sets of that. Excellent. So what I'm hearing so far is luthiers have terrible butts. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work on the, I got to work on that booty. How else are you going to get those thirst traps, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what else, what what else do we need to know? So aside from squats, uh, a good exercise to do would be deadlifts and you can do the, you can use the same equipment. So a deadlift is basically uh, standing upright and then you're hinging at your hips, there might be a slight bend in your knees and then you're basically picking a weight up off the floor to a standing position and then lowering it back down again. And again, this is gonna work your posterior chain and you can do it with a backpack full of books or soup cans or, or whatever. Is this that exercise that I do where I put a barbell across my back and I hold onto it either side and, and basically do a squat? Is that a deadlift or a no? So that's a, that's a back squat is back what squat. it sounds like. Okay, okay. Deadlift is you're picking the weight up off of the ground. Okay. And you keep your, your arms down by your thighs. That's I correct. Okay. Yep. So your arms stay extended down. You pick the weight up off the floor, stand all the way up with it, and then bend back over and set it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good, that's a great one to do. Um, and then the other one that I would recommend is a bent over row. And so what you do in this case is, uh, you'd start off with basically a, a deadlift. So you pick the weight up off the ground and stand up. Mm-hmm. Then you bend over slightly. You have a slight bend in your knees. You're also hinged at the hips, but that weight is just hanging in front of you. And then you pull that weight up to your chest you know, or, or just under your chest and you hold it there for maybe a second or two. Like you're about to dance like the guy with bamboo in, uh, in Mary Poppins. Yes. Yes. So this is working your back muscles, right? Yes. That's working your back. Okay. So you should be, you should engage your lats. And, uh, if you try to, you know, when you do it, there are different ways to do a bent over row, but I would recommend trying to keep your elbows in close to your body. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you pull that weight up to your chest, lower back down. Okay. And you can do that, you know, somewhere from eight to 12 reps. Okay. 
This this makes me feel good. I I've, I've been doing some of those, so I feel like I haven't completely ignored my body. Yay. <laughs> I've been eating chili dogs and hurting my back doing it. So Yay. <laughs> I'm into this. Rob, be- before you took your I almost said seance. What? Before you took your sabbatical from uh, DC, um, am I wrong that uh, you were deadlifting 500 pounds at the gym? <laughs> yeah, Good. that's right. Good Damn. Lord. <laughs> that's I, like... My number's not that. <laughs> I don't know what mine is, but it is not that. But I yeah. can eat like three chili dogs and throw my back out way faster than you. But Way to go. go. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you heard it here first. Take care of your butts. That's right. Yeah. Moral of the story. Yeah. That's the name of Rob's memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for the advice. Of course. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, bud. Oma was an all Luthier podcast produced by Rosie Deloach, Chris Jacoby, and Jerry Lynn. The show is edited by Jason Peoples, music by Invoke Sound. If you enjoy our show, you can help us out by leaving an iTunes review or becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash omopod, where you can get your very own Omo swag. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us at mail at omopod.com or call the Omo phone at 240-686-5345. Thanks for listening.